there's going to be parts of this story of my journey to becoming a healer that hopefully you can connect to that will really resonate with deeper parts of you and encourage you to know that I'm far from perfect. And I'm really revealing these deeper parts of me in vulnerability in hopes that we can connect more and in hopes that you can relate deeper to see yourself and how powerful you are. All right, everyone, welcome to Heal Thyself. I have a very special episode for you today. Okay, so we've done over 200 plus shows and so many of these shows have been focused around toxins, how to buy food, how to buy protein powder, collagen. Might have been your favorite one. We talked about um, nail polish. We talk about emotions all the time. And you might hear me on the other side of this phone and you might see me on YouTube. But, you know, it hit me that I never really fully uh, expressed and connected to you, the listener, about where I come from, what my journey sounds like, and how I became the person that I am now. Now, there is this tendency for me to always want to serve and not make things fully about me. And ultimately, I will, I'll do both. I will explain how I came to this place, but also my hope more than anything is not necessarily to be seen, but it's for you to connect, maybe relate, maybe see yourself in some of my words, maybe see yourself in some of these experiences or circumstances that I mentioned, maybe see your potentiality of what is accessible within you. Maybe it inspires some of you to look deeper within and go, okay, am I in my purpose? Maybe it inspires some of you who are going through a really tough time to know this is transient. It will move and it's here for a reason. So my hope is to verbalize this journey of mine in a way that can connect with you all. And as always, open the space for deeper healing for yourself and ultimately each other. For as long as I can remember, I've always been a very sensitive child. Uh, I've been sensitive emotionally to sounds, to being yelled at, to smells, to light, to scents. I've always had this gentleness to me, um, always deeply connected to animals, um, always having a place for my heart for even insects, um, just a softness. And I really believe I get that from uh, my mom. You know, some things in life are inherent to you, right? We're born with these qualities of spirit, not our personality. Personality being developed through life, usually as just a culmination of compensations, right? That are safe and unsafe, but really spirit. You know, when you see a kid before they really know their name, they have spirit in them. They have these things that will never leave them. And I think part of my spirit was to always be sensitive and gentle and connected. Um, but so much of that, I think, was passed down because that's the reflection of how much my mom was. She was so open and so gentle and sweet and nurturing and warm. And then I always had this side to me that always wanted to do big and be big and um, and and be rebellious and do the opposite of what is 
<laughs> sometimes working and do the opposite of what is popular for sure. And I think I get that from my dad. My dad has always been a, uh, a man who has decided for himself to walk his own path. Leaving Ecuador at such a young age, leaving a place with security, safety, familiarity, to go to New York and forge his own career in fashion and, 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 da and dancing ballet and really going against what a culture in Ecuador would say is a man and making his own space in honoring his artistry as a human. So it's really beautiful because I think to myself how often we connect with our parents and take in their energy. Because you got to think, we're children and we're open and we're so impressionable. And then we connect to our tribe and we're sponsored by our tribe and we see how they interact and we see how they interact with us and our, our siblings or each other. And this really lays a, a really powerful foundation. Now, I talk a lot about generational trauma. Um, I've, I've, done, I've done a few shows on it. And I believe so many of us live with the passing on of generational trauma from our parents, from our grandparents, from their grandparents, because no one ever really gives us the tools to be who we are, to come back to who we are, to have the permission to know that it's okay and safe to be who you are. And I say come back to it. I want you to listen to this because I'm going to go back to my own story, but I, I'd be remiss if I don't at least want to give a gem right now. And when we allow ourselves to come back to who we are, coming back means to me more than anything, that child within. Coming back, when we say remember who you are, come back to who you are, oftentimes we're talking about that part of you that has been lost and so held back and so suppressed. And for me, for me, that was the radiance, the full expression of the bigness, the full expression of the singing and the dancing, the full expression of the acting, all of my art, the painting and the drawing, the stuff that I used to do as a kid with no purpose or no goal, no worry about judgment from myself or others. And the things we begin to like put into a closet as we get older and begin to lose that part of us, that joy, that inner child. And I, like many of you, lost that, you know, as I got older, you know, and the priorities change and traumas happen and we begin to hold different parts of us that are safe and unsafe. And a, a lot of my life I lived with uh, anger, repression, the unsafe emotion uh, in my household, especially was anger. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them and their quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, 
rosehip oils. And the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products. GHKCU and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alituria Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trafalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that have been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has your back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. You know, a lot of us, if we're around a household that is walking on eggshells, uh, some of us compensate and we sort of disconnect. And we you know, go, you ever see a kid who wants to get angry, but in school is not allowed to show that emotion. So the kid sort of just goes to the corner of the classroom and gets really quiet and disconnects from everyone. Well, I did the opposite. I actually did the opposite. I was much more connecting with everyone when I had that emotion that was unsafe because it was so anxiously provoking. Bringing that to the surface and being such a deep people pleaser caused so many people to be like, wow, Christian is so nice and he's so sweet. And ultimately, I do believe that's part of just my spirit of me as a person. Because I remember I said I was always connected to all things. But living with that, people pleasing caused this unaware, unconscious, just tension in my whole body. But as I went through my life, uh, going through school and moving to New Jersey and a new, a new place out of New York and really establishing roots and, and growing up there, you know, it was beautiful. And, and I was outside and I rode my bike and I had friends and we played sports and I was curious and I wanted to be everything. I was into wrestling. I was into uh, football. I was into hockey. I was into snowball fights. I was into everything. And interestingly enough, uh, and you might 
connect with this. Interestingly enough, as we get older, you know, sort of our ego and we hit those teenage years, those awkward years, who are we? And how do we want to show up in the world? And I mean, not even asking that deep of a question, but just who we are. How can we be accepted by the tribe that is high school? And high school was always, I think it was a little, I wouldn't say it was difficult. It was just, it felt like very uncomfortable in the sense that I wasn't honoring myself, but I didn't have the awareness to that. So many of you might've gone through high school and not felt like yourself or felt like you had to be someone else. And I would say that would be the biggest theme of my years in high school is being someone else, but not knowing who I was. And in retrospect, I should have been in theater. I should have been acting. I should have been in, in arts more than sports, right? And more than even the sciences. So not knowing that, but really that discomfort that we live with. But as I got older, um, I, I, know, I know that I was living with such an insecurity of, well, who am I? Like, how do I want to show up? Why do I feel so uncomfortable and awkward and insecure with myself? And it really wasn't until I found right around college, um, consciousness and spirituality that gave me a direction of having a deeper understanding of spirit. And for me, deepening the understanding of spirit, and I, and I grew up Catholic and I went to religious school and I never felt connected. I actually never felt that it resonated with me. I went to church and I never felt that it resonated with me. It never spoke to my heart, but this did. And for me, it was my truth, consciousness, learning about spirituality, learning about how we're all one, learning about meditation in the middle of college, you know, when I'm going out and drinking and partying, but the other side of me is meditating, right? It's a beautiful contradiction, right? But this part of me understood so logically and, and can articulate all the tenets of spirituality. You know, by the time I was 26 years old, I could have been on stage talking about Consciousness, quantum physics, um, non-separatism, karma, dharma, all of the things. Because I understood it. And I was really good at speaking about it and preaching about it. And I say that because it's, it's setting up something that I'm going to tell you in, in a little bit. About really the knowing, the concept, the speaking, and the embodiment. So from really the years of 2007 all the way up till 2020. Two, there was I, I I I could speak for days on spirituality, but you know you look at those years and I wonder to myself why was I just so uncomfortable, and why was I in pain and why was I ashamed and so many pieces and I'm going to get into some juice, okay? So I, I thank you already for just opening your heart and listening to this stuff. So the death of my mother was a very important moment in my life. Very important. Probably the most pivotal moment of my life. And when she was diagnosed, I had no idea about uh, really what cancer was to that sense. I knew that people got cancer and a lot of people just get chemo radiation and surgery and they live and it's okay and things will be okay. I didn't know the severity of it. Um, and going through that process and seeing the physical changes and, you know, the, the woman who raised you, right? You're the, the, the feminine manifestation of, of me and, and, and seeing that degrading process, uh, the wasting process, the sickness process, the throwing up, the neuropathy of the hands and the feet, the losing of the hair. And I know a lot of you know what I'm talking about. 
is very difficult. It's a difficult moment, but you learn a little bit about yourself in the sense that all of my energy went to either school or my mom, school or my mom, nothing about myself, nothing about growth. I totally stopped myself growth, personal growth stuff. And over the years, because she had been sick for quite a while, over eight, nine, 10, 11, three years, there was just some massive changes that happened in my life. I was in dental school and I left dental school and I wanted to be a dentist because I wanted to help people. And I had a really tough experience with orthodontics and a lot of insecurity around my smile and my teeth. And that's why I went to school because I wanted to help kids with their smile. And uh, when I learned about naturopathic medicine through my mom being sick, it opened the door for a, a, a total feel that was in alignment with myself. And when I learned about it a year into dental school, it changed so much because for the first time in my life, I really felt intuition what it feels like to be intuitive and having a wave of my soul speaking to me saying, follow this. And it felt so strong for me. You might've felt this before, you know, that wave of like, there's something in me that's speaking and I can't lower it. It's just so apparent and palpable. And I got in my right inner wrist tattooed intuition. So I never forget that moment because that moment was what told me to leave dental school and go into naturopathic school while my mom was still sick. Unfortunately, through the first year of school, she passed away. She got really sick and passed away. And I, and I say this death being so significant because at the time, I understood and I leaned on spirituality. I leaned on how important it is to understand that what life and death is and, and how it's one, one apparent process in the now moment and how beautiful death is. So for me, my saving grace was understanding the process of death even before my mom passed away. But still, this is what I relied on. And ultimately, I stepped into this role of being the strong one in the family, not showing emotion, holding my dad and holding my brother through this process who was young at the time. And a lot of you may, may have gone through this where you sort of have to put on a mask and be the strong one and ultimately not allow yourself to feel. And because of that, there was destruction. It got really bad. One, the pain of not being able to express myself or not feeling safe enough to express myself or not wanting to bear witness to how deep the pain of losing someone you love is, ran a course for a long time, for 11 years. And it was destructive in many ways. So after she had passed away, I went through this experience of, okay, well, I'm the strong one. I'm going to show up this way. I don't cry. I started telling myself, you know, it's just, death is beautiful. And I, and I accept that my mom passed away without really cherishing who she was. And uh, that was a deep defense mechanism. Now, what happened after that was totally out of alignment with myself the pain that was there from that death was so apparent and so vibrant and living with me that it came out in ways that were compensating. And for me, it became sex addiction. I completely lost myself in the party scene. And look, I'm an extrovert. I was always one to be in the party scene and and not be shying away from drinking or laughing or being with friends. But that energy changed after my mom passed away because it wasn't about laughing or even partying and drinking and being with friends. It was more about, I can't be alone with myself. 
And the pain of losing a loved one had created this space of, I couldn't be alone with myself. And because I couldn't be alone with myself, I had to be with a woman. And for the next four, five years, I completely lost myself, completely. And there would be moments where if I was out and I came home and I was in bed alone, I would have an anxiety attack. And I would need to have a woman in bed with me. And that was very destructive because you sort of know internally and subconsciously, spiritually and somatically what's happening. But when you don't honor what you know is happening and you do the opposite, you've created an own living hell. And for four years, that was an own living hell. And I had no control over it. And I went to therapists and I saw, I seeked help because it was affecting my schooling. It was affecting my life. It was the most destructive period of my life. I not only hurt myself, I hurt the feelings of other people, which today I still, you know, wish I can apologize to everyone. But the, the character, knowing who you are, knowing who you are as a person, knowing how gentle, knowing how open-hearted, knowing how loving you are as a person, and doing the opposite, I promise you, is the definition of living hell. And I actually believe that's what symbolically, you know, the Bible and other texts mean when they talk about hell. It's the figurative experience of living in a reality that is not you and you know it. I guess the next question would be, what helped? Although I had this repressed emotion, I moved away from the sex addiction into guess what? The dating apps came out, texting addiction. So all of a sudden I had all these dating apps and it wasn't about sex. It was just about going on dates. And that lasted for a long time. But what I found is that the sex wasn't the end goal. It was always just the connection to the feminine. When you lose someone you love, the feminine, you yearn to have the feminine around you. You, you yearn to have that reminder of that warmth, that love in the expression of the feminine. So as I went through this whole process, you know, wounded myself, wounded others, lived out of integrity, lived in really destructive place, I found what it was to be in community. And coming to California, I found a community of people, and this is why I talk about community so much, that have opened the space for me to be seen, be accepted, be loved for who I am, be fully with open arms looked at with peace and love and joy for my past. And my past was such a heavy weight on me. Knowing that I was so out of integrity for so long was such a heavy weight on me. And the beginning of that healing happened when other people accepted me for myself, accepted me for who I was or who, who I expressed myself as, because who I was was much even deeper than that. So the opening of that, of people who accept you, who love you for you, began my healing. And some of you who follow me for a long time may have remembered when I lived in Topanga, in the mountains of California. And that's when the process started. It's one of the most healing places I've ever been. And I, I have such deep reverence for Topanga all the time. And I go there and I, I speak to the trees and speak to nature every time saying thank you for that, the, the time period of living there. Because what happened was this, for the first time, really for the first time since my mom passed away, I was by myself, really by myself. 
not being able to drive down the mountain and just go to my friend's house because the fur the closest friend was 40 minutes away and being in solitude the not only physical experience but even the figurative experience of feeling alone was so painful i remember the first three days i had my friend peter crone on this show and you might know Peter, and he, I, I reached out to him and I told him what I was going through, and he to, totally put it into context for me is how important it is to be alone and to go through what I'm going through. So, you know, I stayed away from my phone and I lived up there. And for the first 40 days of living there, I cried for 40 days, for 40 days. 40 days every single morning at the same time, I cried for the same amount of time over and over. And on the 41st day I went up there to cry, nothing came out. And I said, okay, I moved some emotion. My journey to become a healer began when I let myself feel. The moment I let myself feel the pain of what I was carrying for 11 years opened the space for me to become much more of a healer beyond talking about nutrition, beyond talking about toxins in your home, beyond telling you what to shop for and what's the best thing to get at Costco or Amazon or Target. I always, again, remember what I said in the beginning of the show, felt myself to be bigger big, just like that energy of my dad, big in the room, big in the world, helping so many people, huge, huge presence. And that actually happened when I let myself feel that pain. So as that pain started unfolding, so too this, this deep healing, and I'll never forget this moment where for one of the last days I was standing on this rock and I had all this emotion flowing. And I've always been a visual person. I saw visions as a kid. I saw ghosts as a kid. Uh, you know, if I close my eyes, I can hear things like medium type shit, right? So I'm over here and I'm standing on the rock and I see uh, ex-girlfriends in the past that I've been out of integrity with, ex-girlfriends in the past that I've hurt. And then I saw a vision of my mom behind them and her arms around all of them and all of them smiling at me. And it was this moment of just deep, deep, deep forgiveness, when you get to see in front of you the visual manifestation of the people you've hurt by your own actions out of integrity, and you see the visual energetic representation of them smiling, it healed me so deeply because in that moment, I've let go of the identification of who I thought I was in the past. The transgressions that have identified me and that I was holding on to had opened and the space had opened for healing. So not coincidentally, in the following year or two, Oh my God, all of the emotions had all of the permission to start moving. So I would be asleep and I'd wake up at four in the morning with my body shaking and my body twisting and sounds coming out of me, like literally observing myself waking up for five days in a row, having an exorcism. And this exorcism was really that, an exercising of demons of pain that I was holding in, emotions past the sadness, the anger, which I've held back through people pleasing for so long, moving out of my body. The fear of sometimes generational trauma being observed in the household moving past, right? The sexual repression, which I'll actually go into in a moment, which is actually a really important one. Growing up religious, growing up in a household where sex and sexuality was taboo, you know, I had a father who was able to hold that because he was in a very, always progressive person but a mother who was more traditional, who was more religious, who was more had more shame around sex and sexuality. So I remember all the times where, you know, there'd be a nude scene on TV or there'd be a, a, a body on TV and it was taboo. And it was, even in high school, it was like, 
it, there was a te- there was a shame around it, and that shame manifested in my own experience with my own sex and sexuality, and and the holding back of really the true expression of sex and true expression of myself during sex was tied around that anchor of deep shame. And I'll say this, shame around sexuality was probably, I would say, the number one or number two deepest and most palpable emotion that needed to be healed. And when it was healed, showed the most amount of improvement in my health. So ultimately, it allowed me to embody an unapologetic expression through words, through action of my sexuality, my sex, my openness to everything and everyone, actually. So the beauty of it is that I can stand here and say that without fear. The beauty of it is that I can stand up and say that with an open heart and speaking my truth, truly what it means for me to be a sexual being on this earth. And the last one being worry. The worry for my mom, the worry for her well-being, the worry for her as a kid, just constantly being worried about my mom, that was the deepest, most painful emotion to undergo. But that was the last one. And ultimately, I say all of that because I talk about emotional repression and the importance of it. But my own journey to being a healer, I had to go through hell. I had to experience all the pain of my mother's death, all the repression, all the transgressions, all of the lack of integrity. I had to experience all of the tears, all of the shaking and fear, all of the screaming and anger, all of the shame of sexuality, and all of the shaking in my body of feeling so worried for my mother. And ultimately, as I allowed this pain to come up through my body, it opened up this new human being. This human being who's so deeply connected to who he is, deeply connected to his inner child, honoring his child every single day. What do I want to do? Do I want to dance today? Do I want to sing today? Do I want to paint today? Do I want to rap today? Do I want to write a poem today? Do I want to act? Honoring my soul. Am I in my purpose today? What does my purpose want to do? What does my soul want to do? Connect. Can I connect open-heartedly with someone today? What does my body want to do? What does it need? Does it need water? Does it need to rest? Does it need to move? Does it need to work out? Does it want food? Because of the pain and the, the hell, the figurative going through the mud of those deep emotions and allowing them to move through me, I was able to come to this place where I can truly call myself an open-hearted, powerful healer. And and healer in the sense that I can open the space for you all to come to your body, to come to your soul and allow your deepest healing to come out. Listen, there's a lot of details in my life, but this is what I wanted to share in the sense of giving you an idea of my journey to become a healer. And ultimately, hopefully, part of you resonated with some of this. Maybe you lost someone you love. Maybe you were out of integrity parts of your life. Maybe you held in your sexuality. Maybe you've been scared and angry for so many times and you've held in in with people pleasing. Maybe generational trauma, you know very clearly what it is. Maybe you grew up in a household that you were walking on eggshells, but maybe you had a really beautiful life regardless of what it is. Maybe there's a part of the story that resonated. Listen, listen to your heart, listen to what you feel. And if it did resonate and you do feel, go with it. And know, and just know, that what you're looking for, you know, if I wish someone told me this when I was in college, all the things that I'm looking for is not a long journey, right? And if I had the space when I was 24 years old going through all of this, if I had the space with someone like me to sit down with me and say, hey, let's get into the body. You got pain in there, man. You're not processing this sadness. And let's get into the body. I'm going to hold you. 
I'm going to keep you safe and you're going to experience this pain. Maybe I had to change the trajectory in my life, but ultimately I know that it's exactly where it needed to be for the exact reasons. And bring that grace to yourself. Where you are is where you are. How you are is how you are. What you've done is what you've done. But now in this moment, all you need to do is know that your body and your soul are asking, begging you for you to connect with the deepest parts of you. And you have the ability to do that today. And as you connect in safety with those deepest parts of you and witness that pain that you're holding in and go through that mud, I promise you there's a new person on the other side, mentally, emotionally, physically, and even spiritually. All that is there for you. Let me be a reflection of the potency of your life. And I really hope this resonated with you. Thank you. All right, everyone. You know, I've been talking about repressed emotions for quite a while, right? And I talk about how it looks in the body, where it is in the body, and when it's released in the body, it moves through these energetic channels in the body and you're expressing it. Well, so much of what I learned in emotional healing, especially with emotions and where they are, is completely in alignment with traditional Chinese medicine. Now, when I was in school, we learned a little bit of it, right? Just a little bit. But I've always had an appreciation for such an ancient healing art that stood the test of time, which we in medicine are now doing studies and going, I think they were kind of right on this part. Oh my God, they're right on this part, right? Uh, and guess what? I have Jiaming Zhu. Now, she is an herbalist, right? Almost at the end of her training. Her pops has 45 years of clinical experience, all that wisdom spiraling down right to this person in front of me. And we're going to talk about some of the most incredible stuff that you may not have known about, right? How does PMS connect to your emotions? How does your poops connect to your emotion? How does your overall digestion connect to your emotion? We're going to get the answers right now. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. But thank you so much. Thank you so much. Listen. We were saying, I, I didn't, I've never talked about TCM because I never felt I had the expertise or even knew enough, We're but I got fine. somebody over here and I can't tell you how excited I am. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. My dad is so excited when he heard I'm getting on the show. <laughs> I love that. And, and uh, we, our mutual friend, Jesse Israel, for all of you go listen to him. He talked about meditation. He introduced me to you because he's one of your uh, clients. Yeah. But off air, we were talking about some amazing stuff, basically how TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, sees the connection between emotion and physical manifestation. So I'm going to ask you off the get-go. If someone is suffering with terrible period pains, period anxiety, cravings or not wanting to eat, in traditional Chinese medicine, is there an emotional component? There is a huge emotional component to it. I think in Western medicine, everything is simplified, right? We're looking at an indicator and they will say everything is due to hormones. End of story. But in Chinese medicine, we really look at how does it really affect your emotions, right? Like you have you have some women who during PMS will have this raging hunger that they can't stop eating while having like a really strong craving for sugar. In other cases, you have women who when they get very emotional and anxious, they like spend all day and they don't eat anything at all. There is no appetite whatsoever. There is also this very obvious symptom for women during PMS or even during period, you know, depending where they have this strong bloating in their system. They eat something and then they're just overall just feeling they're not themselves, they're very weight down, they feel heavy and just like, many of my clients told me they just feel off. Then there is a huge emotion component to it. It's called liver cheese stagnation, which is a classic 
cause of illness in Chinese medicine, where we're talking about, and I, this is why I'm so grateful you're, you do the repressed emotions, where repressed emotions such as anger or like frustration, especially when accumulate for such a long period of time, has a role to play in your physical health. And when it comes to women, it not only affects your menstruation health, right? It manifests itself in these PMS symptoms where you feel no matter what you do, you just can't get happy. You just feel like you're you're just off. Uh, or even affects infertility, in fact, in Chinese medicine. Mm. So, yes, I would say, like, very much so. We have always studied several emotions and how they impact the physical body, and it's a huge deal. Yeah. This actually brings up the uh, uh, one particular client I'm thinking about who showed up with infertility two years and did one session and got pregnant two months later. And I thought about the anger that came out. She had a lot of anger and it was very potent. Other emotions, but I remember the anger being so potent for her. And you're saying that it can affect liver. Qi stagnation is another way of saying anger stagnation in the liver. Yeah. I think also there is, I would like to call it repressed emotion in general, right? Which is a very prevalent actually emotion among uh, AAPI community where we grew up being taught that you're not supposed to exhibit exhibit your emotions so openly so there is no release then what happens is that you're not in touch with your emotions you're kind of feeling like i'm not supposed to feel this way when there isn't an immediate release of your emotions right other emotions also need release it's just like menstruation it just needs like exercise if you don't have that what happens is that they become stagnant in your body and they concentrate in the liver chi channel, which is the reason why for women, a lot of people complain about their boobs being very sensitive. Or in some cases, people feel like, oh my God, they become rock hard. I can't even touch it. And in some cases, you know, as you go um, develop and grow older in life, in Chinese medicine, breast cancer has everything to do with liver chi stagnation because that is the beginning sign of something becoming very stagnant in the channel because also liver is where we store blood in Chinese medicine concept and menstruation has everything to do with blood. So, Wow. I'm thinking to myself how we don't even look, because I worked in oncology. Yeah. First of all, we don't even talk about emotions. We talk about stress, but it's to this extent, are you stressed one out of 10 at work? Are you stressed one out of 10 at home? Okay, maybe go for a walk and exercise. Right. But it's not like, well, okay, hold on, hold on. You need to remove those emotions. Just like you said, as natural as menstruating, right. defecating, right? Yeah. We need to express those emotions. Yeah. Uh, but we never talked about, is there an emotion, liver, in the liver that is connected to breast, breast, cystic breast, tender breast, and ultimately breast cancer. Yeah. And again, maybe it's 30 years before we do a whole study. Maybe it's 300 years before we do a whole study that really confirms this. But I, I fully believe that there is an emotional piece to breast cancer and all cancers. Yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm positive that there is. Um, okay. So, so we, we think about when we say chi, right? For the, for the newcomers, and this is a new concept. Right. What is this liver chi stagnation? What's not moving? So whenever the driving force of liver chi stagnation is really repressed emotion right when we become when we feel we're not able to release that emotion on time so to speak the chi that flows in the liver channel which by the way goes from you know it's very confusing for most people like the the, the channel is different from the organ it goes from like the feet literally 
through your genitals and up to your breast. This is the reason also why for men, there are lots of men who have these like hanging balls issue that they always like have to rearrange their like, you know, genitals. That is related to cheese stagnation as well. So when your emotions become repressed, you should know the signs. And one of the earliest signs, and I would like to say this because we live in LA, road rage. Yes. Yes. Where you feel like you just want to crush the person next to you using your, I don't know, Prius, um, <laughs> you know, like it's an uncontrollable feeling. You're like, I'm not like this usually. Why am I feeling like this? You're feeling hot all of a sudden on the head. You might be having ear ringing uh, randomly. And some people have irritable eyes. They feel like I, my eyes are always red. I always have to rub it. And... One of the most common issues, which I have heard a lot from my clients, is they, they're like, when I breathe, I feel like I can't get the chi fully. Like, I can't breathe fully. There is a sharp pain when I breathe. And then they do their annual physical. There is nothing wrong with them. Or a lot of people say that I have this, like, I feel there is, there is this pain and inflammation right under my chest, between my rib. What is that? That is class, it's called hypochondriac pain, and it is a classic symptom related to liver cheese stagnation. So Chinese have really figured this out for 2,500 years that emotion, when it's repressed or, you know, different kinds of emotions, we have seven of them, um, can get you sick. And it was interesting when I was in college studying philosophy from undergrad, and I studied Descartes and the French apparently learned maybe there is a relationship between relationship like emotions and your physical body. I was thinking, that's not right. We've, we've had it for a long time. Yeah. So yeah. I love that. And when, when we think of the connection of the liver and how it expresses in that road rage, right? Yeah. Uh, shout out to the show Beef we were talking about, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the fantastic Netflix show that yeah. there's a lot of parallels on traditional Chinese medicine, as you mentioned, in pretty much all the episodes. Um, when we go back and it's, it's all, I, I feel so many cultures are so repressed, right? Yeah. Where it's part of the culture. And yeah. I see that a lot in Asian culture, right? Yeah. You have to be quiet. You know, you don't really talk back or express. I don't yeah. see a lot of expression. So yeah. when I saw that show beef, I was like, wow, this is generations of cultural repression. And he's in that car for all of you who watched, he's in that car in the parking lot and he goes, I can't take this. And he just snaps. It was like generations of just snapping and has this road rage. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? An experience to prove that it's not only delicious, but it's also health focus. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well-being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in that process is rooted in health-focused principles backed by solid scientific research-based rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee 
apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication is my favorite is their dedication to purity and safety their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides toxins and harmful mycotoxins those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health causing issues like liver and kidney damage digestive problems brain fog and fatigue purity coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity and this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee and the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy, boosting compounds with every sip. Purity coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roasts with sweet fruity notes and their dark roasts with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day, creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been open. And I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights. And these are staples. And, I, and not just me, I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle, staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen, it's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. Momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. Trust is everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. You mentioned a few things, the menstruation, breast, but it also can be your digestive system. Oh, yeah. And how so, does that look? So like, you know, I'm going to talk about this thing. I'm sorry for people who haven't watched the beef. <laughs> there is this scene where Stephen Green, basically his character, Daniel Tro, he was very upset. He wrongly invested in crypto, I think. And then he discovered he managed to lose a lot of money, right, overnight. And then he was binge eating junk food. He was binge eating, uh, I think, like chicken burger from like Burgundy or something. And you could see the 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 shot. It was done. It, it closes onto his face. Where the minute he saw he lost a lot of money, something snapped inside of him. He immediately was going to barf out whatever he was eating. And then what was really painful to watch was that he was trying to suppress it. So you could see how his muscle tensed, his face, 
you know, flushed. His eyes were almost in tears, and he was trying to flush down this food that he bought with money when he wasn't that well off. So, and when I saw that, I was like, "Oh my God, Dad, that is classic liver chi overact on stomach. It's a symptom where your emotions usually repressed or anger that you just stuff your eating, your your feelings, right? Right? We say like eat your feelings. The feelings were not." Just stay inside your body. At some point, you're not able to control it. It will rebel, and the rebellion of the liver chi, which goes upward, by the way, because in Chinese medicine, every organ has a different chi and they has a different direction. It goes upward, and what happens? You barf, you vomit, or in some cases, people have this intense acid reflux, or、um, you know, when it affects other parts of the digestion system, some people have intense bloating. Um, if you think about it, people who eat at their desk, people who don't take a proper lunch break, who feel like, oh my god, I must stare at my laptop.、Right. Most of these people have really bad digestive problem, and liver chi and liver stagnation has everything to do with that. And you know, if you don't address it over a period of time, it's going to become what Chinese medicine call a deficient problem, which means. There is it, it becomes a chronic issue.、Uh, I see the stagnation becomes a deficiency at some point、right. because I've heard about like kidney deficiency, liver、yeah. chi.、Uh, how does how does someone who has that liver chi emotional repression、um, stagnation? How does their poop look? Oh God, I love the poop. I commented so much when you like when on your Instagram. I think you uploaded this page of different poop. I'm like, someone finally <laughs>、oh, yeah, did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the poop page. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, I love the poop page. And so there are two types of poop. That's classic liver cheese stagnation poop. One type is your poop look like pebble. They literally look like little like pebble, right? You're like, why do I poop like this? Why do I poop like a dog or like I poop like a goat or something? Um, that's a classic liver cheese stagnation type of poop. The other type is, and if this is you, you're the type of person who goes to the toilet to poop all the time before you're about to do something that's anxiety ridden, or you're the type who sometimes have one day has loose stool or diarrhea and one day has constipation. You're just like, what is happening to me? I'm just like interchange. Uh, that is a classic liver cheese stagnation thing, where it interchanges, and you're just like, I don't really know what's going on. Yeah, it's funny in medicine we call that irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah, yeah. right. We got we have a name, but we don't have a medicine, right? Yeah, because it's deeper than、yeah. that. And it's funny because when people are diagnosed with it, they go,、um, hmm, you're just stressed,、uh, but we don't really have a medicine for it. It's sort of a diagnosis of exclusion. We、yeah. take colonoscopies and endoscopies, and we figure out,、yeah. oh, there's nothing that we can do because it's not celiac disease or this or this. For that,、yeah. and we finally just feel like I guess it's IBS. But on a deeper level, we're talking about some emotions that are emotions that are stagnant.、Yeah. And in this case, we're talking about the liver. Now, it, when for me now to understand this, because this is sort of a new concept to me in this part, liver chi stagnation is that always anger or is it all the emotions? You know, Chinese wrote these theories, and there are so many textbooks on this, and but they wrote it a long time ago. Um, from my father's like almost fifty years of clinical experience, it's really kind of a repressed emotion in general. I, I mean,、see. anger being the most pronounced one. But if we think about it, if you're like not allowed to speak who you are, you're not allowed to be authentic. You're gonna be angry. Hell yeah. You might not be outright angry, but like 
like Stephen Green's character, Daniel Tro, he was like, he just snapped, right? Like, you can't control it. That's the point. So it's more, in my opinion, my father's opinion is more about the repressed part that, ah. that over the years, they turn into internal anger. And this is why I say like, we always say liver chi stagnation is the first step. In Chinese medicine, it progresses, right? The the stagnation can turn into heat. We call it like stagnation turn into heat, then that's more serious. And then can further progress into like wind and different parts. And then it just affects your body in all possible negative ways. Mm, I yeah. see. So to understand, because I need to repeat things to understand, <laughs> uh, to understand we have, there's, there's some that may theorize in your liver, that's anger. Yeah. But you're saying that Anger is an overarching emotion due to persistent repression of yeah. just not being able to express yourself, yeah. which is variably different for different cultures. Yeah. But throughout the whole world, we're still repressing people for not being themselves, right? right. We're not allowing people to fully be expressive, and we right. know that. So I see, I see. So in the liver, that is just a manifestation of it. That can yeah. look like you said, heavy PMS symptoms, breast issues, digestive issues that can come upwards, like you were saying, yeah. or manifest in our bowels as, as you were saying, like sort of constipation dry. Like a pebble. Pebble. Yeah. And, or like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. I'm anxious. I can't control it. Yeah. Got to go to the bathroom. Like yeah. IBS. Yeah. Wow. Okay. This is so interesting to me because what a deep reverence I have for such an ancient medicine that 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 now makes more sense to people, right? Where we're just like, okay, maybe we should have done a study on this, right? Um, when we think about the main issues that people are dealing with, so much is in the digestive system. Yeah. Uh, I would say probably when I was in practice, the most people complain about gut issues, gut yeah. issues. But a lot of people after that were complaining about skin. Mm. Acne, yeah. eczema. Yeah. You, you. I showed you a little bit my psoriasis patch here. Yeah. What, what's what's happening when things like that are manifesting on the skin from a TCM perspective? As a person who spent a lot of time in academia, I tend to uh, talk too much, so I would try to keep this as <laughs> simple as possible. It's a great question. Um, so, digestive system is usually seen as the root cause in Chinese medicine for skin issues. There, okay, there is digestion. There is also your favorite lung qi, lung meridian, because we say lung uh, is related to the skin. So it's usually a couple of things related, but usually people have skin problems. In our experience, you definitely have digestive issues. The reason is because a large part of skin issues is due to Chinese medicine, say, either heat or damp or cold, but dampness being the biggest thing. So better is psoriasis or, you know, other things. Think about dampness is a little bit like the Vancouver weather. Yeah. Where it rains all the time. It might not rain that much, but it's just constantly dreary. Imagine that weather inside your body, right? We talk about mold. That weather can give you mold. That weather can give you a bunch of bad things, especially if Chinese medicine also believe that you were born with a, you know, nigh body constitution. So if you're like me and fortunate and born with the uh, dampness type, that means your internal dampness, when the weather is like a Vancouver weather, correspond with the outer environment. That's the reason why people will have eczema, 
which is the biggest thing when it comes to dampness. Mm. Uh, or in some cases, you will have this kind of systematic agony, cystic agony is more due to stomach heat. So especially with women, when they say, usually if you think about where they are, it's located under the chin or it's kind of in this area, that's where stomach meridian goes. Mm -hmm. So that's, it, for different people, depending on what your born body constitution is, it manifests in different ways when it comes to skin issue. And one thing is for certain though, is whether it's eczema or is cystic agony or something else, or just this strange itchiness, you feel like, you know, usually people have skin issue really bad in the spring. I don't know about you, but like usually people with eczema just like always itching all right. the time in the spring. It's because the outer environment, which we call in Chinese medicine, the big universe, because we as humans are like the small universe, right? You interact. When the outer environment is damp, your inside is damp, it corresponds. And when it's windy, which is also a huge driving factor for skin itchiness. So this is all when people say that, oh, why in Chinese medicine you guys only do personalized Chinese medicine? You only do one person, one formula. Not like this person has psoriasis. Right. I gave 100 people this right, formula. Right. Because you as Christian has a different experience from me. Let's say even if we have the same condition, you're a completely different person from me. Your experience, your insight, your, your history thus far matter. And they all matter when it comes to diagnosis in Chinese medicine. That's why we ultimately always value customized uh, herbal formulation. I understand that. So theoretically speaking then, let, would a person, if they have a certain constitution internally, not do well in the constitution externally? Of the of the experience in the weather. Okay, so I will answer that with a question. How do you know you have internal dampness? That's your born constitution. Now, as you, if you are born with internal dampness, likely when you're a child, you already start having eczema issues. Um, in some cases, if you're also young deficient, it's also very possible you start having asthma, eczema, uh, asthma very young. Right, right, right. So a combination of that, if you grew up in a place like Vancouver, that's a double whammy, you will find out that you might never grow out of the skin condition. They come and go, come and go, and then they permanently just stay. It's because you don't dry it out. You know, it's almost like common sense. Like if you're, you have a lot of internal dampness and you're also sensitive to the cold, you're never going to dry out this place. It's going to be patchily this way. So that's why a lot of people say, I feel so comfortable in the desert. I feel so comfortable in Arizona. I feel so comfortable in Palm Springs. That's likely because you have the dampness body constitution and you just feel glorious when it's dry because the outer environment dries you out. Yeah. Makes sense because uh, just talking from my own experience, I had eczema as a kid, I had asthma as a teenager, I have psoriasis patches in my body, and I do horrible in rain. Yeah. If it rains for more than two days, my body is terrible. My energy is terrible. My I get way itchier. Psoriasis acts up. I mean, I could never, ever live in the Pacific Northwest, and it is so true. I love dry, hot weather. Yeah. Like desert hot, I never overheat. It's, yeah. it's like perfect for me yeah so it, it makes so much sense why certain people are like oh i can never live in the desert it's too hot and i'm like you're hot and i'm like <laughs> i'm always cold you're this is great for me right it's just it's not it's more than just like our thyroid right it's yeah. it's there's a deeper constitution so yeah. that begs the question then 
you spoke about the dampness. What are other, I know there's nine, but what are like some of the most common constitutions that maybe people have? And how does that look for predispositions to diseases? So another one is yang deficiency. So I think, and I totally agree with you. I think there was an episode where we talk about the importance of childhood. Mm -hmm. your, your, your house as a child has everything to do with your house as an adult. You know, Chinese medicine, like Chinese culture, is all about generational accumulation of culture and wellness. So yang deficiency in a child and in an adult doesn't look that different, actually. If you think you're the type of person who are like who have cold fingers and cold feet all the time, even when it's like sometimes not even that like cold outside, you're like, why am I cold all the time? You're... The minute New York starts its fall season, you're immediately wearing your down jacket. Okay. Are you that person? Um, that's like that likely means you're young deficient. And also young deficiency could mean constant perpetual bloating. It could mean perpetual loose stool. You go to toilet more than once a day. You sometimes go up to like two or three times a day. You're just like, and then you, if you look at your, your poop, which I'm a huge fan of poop looking, it's shapeless. Oh, wow. Or when you try to flush, it turns into a dust. Right. It has no shape because there is too much water retention in it. Right. So people like that could go all day without drinking. They're just not thirsty. Or in some cases, they're always thirsty around the lip. But if they drink, they just like take one sip. They're like, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm really OK, because you have so much coldness and waterness in you already. Mm. And unfortunately, the American culture and the diet we give to children these days a lot of ice cream, a lot of like ice drinks, right? Ice pop all the time, regardless of season, could really make a child develop even more. If a child is already having yang deficiency as a, as a kid, you will make this a perpetual body constitution state as they grow older. Mm, so, you know, some, uh, I would talk about another body constitution. It's called cheese stagnant. So we talk about liver cheese stagnation, some people are born with cheese stagnation, which means they just tend to be more irritated. I'm talking about, I will focus more on personality. Have you met people who are just perfectionist? I have many. That's cheese stagnation likely. That nothing will make them feel good. They like turn around and they try to do everything with their life. You know, they do their annual physical, everything is good, but they're just like, I don't feel great. I feel like I'm not in control of myself. That is likely a cheese stagnation body constitution. Mm. Um, there are like nine of them. And my most, my, my recent nerdy favorite one, which is pretty sad, is the uh, allergy prone body constitution, which happens to so many children these days where they're, they're newborns and they develop this really intense eczema. And they won't, they won't eat their mother's milk or they eat and they spit out. Or as they grow into, you know, into toddlers, they start being allergic to more and more things as they, as they grow older. Yeah. This is all, this can all be helped early on because when you become an adult, when you try to address it, we're talking about 20 years or maybe 30 years of this when try to address, which a lot of my clients come and we help them and it's they feel great. But when you are a kid, in some ways, if you can intervene at the right time, the symptoms will stop there rather than further, you know, continue develop oh, into wow. adulthood. It is yeah. really powerful to, to know that, right? Because 
if there's a manifestation of that, it's now make the intervention. Don't wait till 25 years later where your body's just been like this. And there's a manifestation of those associated disease states over and over. You said yang deficiency. Is there a yin deficiency? There is an yin deficiency. I would describe a rock and roll lifestyle. Mm. That's indeficiency in adulthood. You could be born with an indeficiency body type. Um, indeficiency means your water and your fire within yourself is not balanced. You have not enough of water. You just have then by comparison, you have too much heat. So it's a deficiency state where you have like weakness in your like knee and your lower back. When you're like 30 years old, you're like, why am I having like perpetual knee pain and back pain? I haven't even injured myself. Um, you're probably not great, you know, in, in sexual, like in sexual functions um, in terms of that is a big part of indeficiency. You're like having like spontaneous sweating situation in your palm around four or five in the afternoon, having a low grade fever around then. So for example, if we talk about indeficiency in adulthood, menopausal women have indeficiency, right? Which is why Chinese medicine has been working with in menopause for a very long time. Not everyone is the same, of course, but a, a, I would say like a majority of women when they have all the menopausal symptoms is due to the fact that when you enter menopause, your end becomes deficient. Mm. And you said rock and roll lifestyle. Is, does that mean that they're just very on the go, fiery, because they're they're not just balanced with their water is that what you're saying so for example i'll talk about the rock and roll lifestyle which is not what you're born with but due to lifestyle you can become indeficient where if you over you burn the midnight oil every uh, night i see what you're saying you're overproducing you're not getting nourished you have sex way too often or chinese medicine has a very particular way of having sex what is too often last time i i saw the book i'm like Whoa, that is very often. So when they say very often, they mean the rock and roll, like all the time, especially having sexual intercourse when being drunk or being intoxicated. Um, you don't take care of yourself. You barely eat, but you're just like still creating. You're still producing. That could easily lead to a yin deficiency condition mm. where, um, you know, the typical case we see after getting the symptoms is really you have no tongue coat on your on your tongue. It's just a red tongue. There is no tongue coat. And the person is like, I feel tired all the time. I'm just feeling like I'm just like I have a back pain, knee pain. I have like tinnitus. I feel like I'm only 40, but I feel like I'm 70. I see. That's when you should really be concerned. You feel like your vitality is threatened. Mm. You're not filling up to your age. You're feeling a lot older. I have so many to. questions now. This is leading me to that. Because <laughs> it's funny because as we think about these deficiencies or constitutions, um, it, it just, I envision like archetypes of people that we may see. Like there, it, there's, there's everything that you mentioned, like the person that, I'm like, oh, I know that person. The person that looks like this or yeah. does this, you know, and, and, and it's just so interesting that TCM has already connected those dots a long time ago. Um, one thing that has always interested me is, uh, semen, right? The, yeah. the release of semen, it, yeah. Jing, yeah. if I, if I'm correct. You're totally right. Uh, is there, I, be, I believe, what's the philosophy around that? There's a certain amount and then you just deplete it over time. And then I want to go into the part about what is the appropriate, uh, sexual release <laughs> that we were talking about. How do we, how do we stay strong and not imbalance our internal constitution. 
if I'm right. even saying that right. You're totally saying it right. Um, so Jing in Chinese medicine, I think in English they just translate it as incense, right? Um, it's a word you were born with. So that comes from your parents, which is why in Chinese medicine, for example, uh, pregnancy preparation is very important, which means you don't just go and then have sex and expect to have a healthy baby, right? You prepare, you make changes on your diet, you might do some herbs to really get rid of some of the health issues you might have. Then when you're really at the healthiest point you can be, you then become pregnant, right? So we will always say like, not that the women is carries all the burden of pregnancy, the man is equally as important, in fact, when, in, when we talk about it in Chinese medicine. So the jing, when you release the semen, that is the jing out of you, for men, for example. However, here's the thing. If you're a healthy person, that jing will be replenished. Hmm. However, if you have sex 20 times a day, that jing is no way to be replenished, especially if you have sexual intercourse when you're drunk, when you're on drugs, you're, this is the worst type of, because Chinese see sex as a sacred thing. Right. You should be in mind and in body with the partner who you're having a secret, you know, sexual intercourse yeah, with. Yeah. So when you're intoxicated, this affects your semen quality, in fact. And I think we all read the reports how globally sperm quality has been on the way down right has everything to do with lifestyle has everything to do with your drinking with your smoking with people doing drugs it also has everything to do with sleep whether you allow yourself to replenish that yin to allow your body to replenish itself but if we think about these almost seemingly basic functions you do in life you eat well you sleep well you exercise how many of us are actually doing it consistently very right. few people so it's not a surprise that jing you know, the sperm quality is on the way down mm. in some ways. So yeah. if if this person who's not eating well, not sleeping well, um, you know, just not taking care of themselves, and then they have a kid, are you saying that their Jing essence is passed to the kid, but at a poor quality? So I think in this case, Chinese medicine is not so different from Western medicine, right? We do genetic testing before pregnancy for that reason. But genetic testing give you certain answers. What we have discovered in our clinic um, study, and also I think there is a research paper out there, parents in particular who have allergy issues, who have asthma issues, when they don't have these issues taken care of and when they have a child, the child has a very high likelihood of having the same issues. Mm -hmm. So with the IVF on the rise, which I think is a great thing, right? It helps people have kids. But one of the things is when you have that much of hormone in you and then when you give birth to, to the kid, the hormone is just out. What do you think is going to happen to your body? Which is the reason why a lot of women find postpartum they feel off. They suddenly start having, they didn't have allergy before, now they have allergy. They didn't feel like, why am I having like clumps of hair coming off like six months after giving birth, right? Those are all, those are all related issues that these are not, you know, I think in American society, we are taught since a young age that we need to earn our places. We need to work really hard, especially for minorities. It's like you got to work extra hard to earn your places. So what we happen, what happens is we don't take care of ourselves and we overproduce. So it's no surprise that most of us are not healthy these yeah. days in Chinese medicine. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, when we 
think about, and you mentioned hair loss, and that's one I wanted to actually oh. mention, talk to you about. Um, but we think about just how we are so unhealthy and then having kids. Yeah. And then surprised when the kid is, you know, man, if we, we think it's just like a vacuum. Like we're going to have a kid and we just, now we feed the kid healthy and it's going to be fine. No, it's sort of a reflection from us. Yeah. And which is why, and even when I was practicing in my medicine clinic, I was like, oh, you want a kid right now? We're like, let's hold on. We're going to wait six, six, at least six months yeah. and, and get you and, and pops together. Get, right. get, you know, clean you up really. Right. Um, hair loss is something that a lot of men, right. and even women are mm -hmm. suffering with now. Right. Right. What way does TCMC hair loss, what, what is the root of hair loss according to this perspective? What I hate about TCM, <laughs> what I hate about TCM is that there is never one answer. I see. This is the reason we call pattern differentiation is literally how we diagnose and there are different root reasons. One of the most common reason though is blood deficiency. And when Chinese medicine called blood deficiency, it's not that you're anemic. Now, although if you're anemic, you're definitely blood deficient in Chinese medicine. But in many cases, you're borderline. And when you go test, they're like, you're fine, but you might be still blood deficient in Chinese medicine's view. The one very easy way to tell if you don't paint your nails is just look at your nail bed. And if it's very pale, and if your like under eye is also very pale, you're definitely blood deficient, right? That's the easy way to tell. But blood deficiency is a huge reason, in particular for women postpartum, where why they lose hair. Hair is made of blood in Chinese medicine's gross, you know, general concept. So if you're not, you don't have the blood to nourish your hair. What happens then is your hair turns gray, and then most importantly, they fall off, and they fall off in chunks because you give all your blood to create a new life. So you yourself, depending on how hard the liver is, don't have much to begin with. And when in Western medicine, you know, in gynecology, we say, you will be fine, right? In this country, we don't even have much of a maternity leave. We just say, mm. women go back to work, you are just recovered. We're not robots. Yeah. You guys have done great work in naturopath medicine, and we all know that your body is not a robotic machinery. It doesn't, you don't press a button and immediately go back, to, you yeah. reset. Yeah. You don't reset. In, and depending on your health condition before getting pregnant, you know, some of your health issues will likely become permanent. Mm. Um, so that is very important. For man, I think kidney chi deficiency is a huge reason for why people are losing hair. You're spending, again, you're overproducing. You're, you're burning the midnight oil. Yeah. You don't sleep when you're supposed to sleep. It's, this is particularly the case, I think, for men, and I have seen that, in creative industry. When you have to come up with content, you feel like your job is to create, and yeah. you need to create. How do you create when yourself is not perfectly functioning as a human being? So I think... You know, that's one of the major things as well. You know, I think about this from this standpoint, naturopathic, right? Okay, so hair, uh, the main thing for hair health is blood flow, yeah. right? You, if That's what happens. The, the, the follicle doesn't have enough blood flow. The, yeah. the stem cells don't can't differentiate. They can't grow more hair and that's it. So number one is the blood flow for the hair. But you also mentioned the sleep. And if you think about it, when you go to sleep, you you have something called uh, IGF-1 mm -hmm. that's produced early on in your sleep. And if you're sleeping at one inconsistent hours, 
right? Or you're going to bed really late. You're not getting enough of that. Yeah. Well, that just happens to help the hair follicle in itself. Those cells that I just mentioned, the stem cells, it's helping the stem cells. So now let's chat about something crucial that is omega-3s. You know, I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, right? We have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s. And, and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there. And a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, it's a quality brand, not only just with omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or on your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Peori's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Peori is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning, and all their fantastic products to you, the Heal Thyself listener. That's 20% off even the already discounted subscription price. I want you to go to Peori.com. Use my promo code DRG. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash DRG to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by Peori. These days... These days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water, or kombucha, or coffee or tea. But not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha, not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick, yeah, okay, but for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting, and antioxidant benefits. The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system, the EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently, and the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up, so easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash drg they're so confident that you're going to love it there's even a 30-day money-back guarantee no code at checkout just go to p-i-q-u-e-l-i-f-e.com slash drg you're going to get 15 percent off plus all those freebies it's so funny like you're saying something that you know literally i there's a scientific basis to yeah. that which is it, the, one of my favorite things again it's like yeah, you know, I've been at this for so long, of course. Of course, right? Um, okay, all the viewers and listeners, I want you to go to a mirror. If you're driving, don't stop driving, though. And don't look at the rearview mirror. Uh, but when you can, look at the mirror, and I want you to look at your tongue. And and I want you to give us the lowdown. What are we going to see with our tongues? What are the different types of tongues? And what does it mean? God, okay. I'm going to try to do a very a gross generalization, right? For Some sure, of the most sure. common ones. If you have T-smark, likely T-smark around edges, likely you might have 
like a fat tongue, I would say like your tongue is fairly wet. Don't do this after you drink like wa a lot of water. It won't work. It's important to look at tongue right after you get up. That's when it's accurate. Before you teeth brush, you know, before you do anything. If you look at your tongue, it's somehow still very moist and it has teeth mark. Likely you have spleen chi deficiency. That means you have digestive issues. Likely you go to the toilet more than once a day or you tend to have diarrhea. You eat something random, immediately you go to the bathroom. You feel tired all the time. When raining weather happens, you just want to stay at home, watch Netflix all the time, right? Uh, that's a type. Another type is if you look at your tongue, it's really dry. It has no coating. When I say no coating, it's literally your tongue is just a red piece of meat and there is nothing covering it and it's like dry and it's not really that big likely that's indeficiency um so menopausal women tend to have that tongue uh if you're a 40 year old man you have that tongue you have indeficiency you definitely that definitely affects your sexual function is probably not great has not been great you're probably having like vitality problems. You're just like not filling up to it. Your creative juice is no longer flowing, right? You feel like you're just drying out. Um, another type is you look at your tongue is dirty. Uh, it has this very greasy, thick coating. Now, if you wake up with a tongue like that, and especially if the greasy coating is yellow, that means you have a lot of heat and you have a lot of damp. Now, for women, for example, who are very prone to UTI, you have UTI all the time. You have UTI last month, you have UTI again. Um, it's just itchy and then your vaginal discharge is weird and you're just like feeling whatever off, right? Uh, and your 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 under armpit smell is really awful. Um, likely you have a tongue like that. Mm. It could also mean that your digestive system is just not there. So for people who have skin issue, who have um, skin issue, yes, um, especially for a long period of time, you could have a tongue like that. But also, if you you are used to eating only meat. If you're only eating like meat and you don't really exercise and you're just like eating like all these good protein and fat all the time, you don't eat as well and you certainly don't necessarily exercise, you know, to um, that often, you will have a tongue like that as well. So mm -hmm. that would be my very simple summary of a few common types. But tongue that. diagnosis is a whole thing. I'm sure. Yeah. So, but like these are some of the common ones. Yeah. I'm sure. So, if you're looking in the mirror right now and you see any of that, that's a place to look now, especially because you mentioned like sort of like what's happening, what we may be suffering with if our tongue looks like that. Um, you know, I seen who was it? I think it might have been like one time Miley Cyrus took a, they, she did a photo shoot and she had her tongue out of one and I saw her teeth marks and I go, wait a minute, I just learned this in TCM. I had to go back to my notes and I was like, oh, this is what, what might be happening going on with her, right? So um, it's interesting when I see people stick out their tongues and I, I can, I'm like trying to diagnose them from afar <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what's going on here? Is there anything else you can see in someone's face? face? Yeah, so there are many things you can say, you can see in someone's face, but one of the things we really look out to is the eyes. We call it shin. In Mandarin means I mean, roughly translated as like spirit, but it's not, it's like we believe there is, so in today's world, it means mental well-being, mm -hmm. right? So if you look at a post-stroke patient, there is no shen, like there is no like presence right. of a spirit. Let's translate it like that, presence of a spirit. There isn't that. 
people look very like you know down there isn't like nothing is speaking here where you see a person who is highly tense all the time their shin you see their eyes just like looking all over the place they're very jittery then that shin is disturbed where in some cases you know for a person with a deficiency they're so tired their eyes has no spark in it yeah so the face can tell you a lot a person's you know how a person's skin on the face and on the body can tell you a lot right so for for people who have um launchy issue for example who are prone to have either asthma or sinusitis you will see that their face is just dry because launchy if it functions well is supposed to moisten our skin if it doesn't, if you have perpetual like sinusitis and things like that, you're just like, you're like, why do I have dry skin all the time? I'm like, especially around the nose area. So you can tell a lot uh, with someone's faces. That's why in Chinese medicine, we have four ways of diagnosis. So there is the face reading. Now it sounds like a shaman talking. <laughs> there is a face reading. There is the pulse tracking. And there is the questioning, right? The consultation part. And then there is the tongue diagnosis. Um, and my father would always say like all four of them are super important where what we do in Quinn is I have combined my expertise in health economics data gathering with the traditional Chinese medicine diagnostic method. So it's a more educational and self-empowering way of consultation. So if I talk to you, if you were my client, you would know something by the end of the consultation that, oh, I didn't know that before. Now uh, I know it. Yeah. This also really improves the accuracy of the health data gathering. So for a data nerd like me, that's like so cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's, it's beautiful because as you gather that information, you get to go, whoa, okay, yes, yes. Oh, no, maybe not all the time. Yes, 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 yes. Right. So fantastic to even think about that. I guess I want to uh, put the tail end of this on on chronic diseases, Some, yeah. th things that are more serious, things that like yeah. the cancers of the world that we're talking about, yeah. the heart disease, which is killing so many people. You mentioned stroke. What happens for so long in the body? And I know there's different states and different constitutions, mm -hmm. but essentially what is happening so long in the body where, for example, we're manifesting something like a cancer, which is still a mystery yeah. in, in conventional medicine? Ah. <sighs> Chinese medicine's view of cancer is very different from Western medicine's view, right? Your body constitution has something to do with it. You know, now Western medicine tells us your behavior has everything to do with it, right? But what's challenging is to find a the exact causal link to it. In Chinese medicine, emotions, repressed emotions, has everything to do with certain type of cancer, especially when it comes to women. So breast cancer, for example. Of course, the genetic aspect is very important. But just like how menstruation impacts your fertility, your menopause, it impacts these ovarian cancer or like, you know, uh, breast cancer. It's linked. So I'm very fortunate to have clients globally. Mm -hmm. I want to use her as an example. She is a post-calling cancer, she's recovered, but post-calling cancer patient in her 70s. And what happened to her was that she was doing everything right, the doctor told her. But still, due to the surgery side effect, she still couldn't control her bowels. Yeah. Which to a 70-year-old, otherwise healthy woman, she can't even leave the house, right? And 
I'm in the field of like health economics and longevity study, you know that if an elderly can't leave, senior can't leave the house, that has everything to do with everything that will go wrong in their health. So what Chinese medicine's view in terms of helping her was to look bigger. In Western medicine, we look at what is the goal for, for treating cancer? No cancer is the goal. Yeah. I think that's an incredibly limited view, right? Why don't we also talk about what is the quality of life for someone during the treatment of cancer or even after they recovered? Because in this case, for this person, she has no quality of life. If you have to run to the bathroom uncontrollably 20 times a day and nothing will stop it, then, you know, there is no quality of life to speak with. So I think we as house practitioners have to think bigger. We are not machines. My father constantly says that, right? Western medicine is founded on something incredible called anatomy. Anatomy is what happens when you have a dead body. That's how you can perform anatomy, right? Chinese medicine has always been studying people who are alive. And when you're alive, you as a person last year is different from you as a person this year. In health economics, we call this longitudinal data. It is the most powerful organism that's constantly evolving. You have to therefore meet the needs of this person at a given time. So in this case, for this page, for this client, what we did is we used to customize the formula to recontrol her bowel movement. Now she only has bowel movement once a day. And also, well, also improving the energy of her so she is not having so much of arthritic pain or having low back pain and she can sleep well, she can eat well, and she digests that food well, right? And I always joked with her, I said, you're French, I'm not going to tell you to stop eating like so much cheese. Right. So she's able to keep the life she wants for as long as possible while having minimum side effect, which I think think in today's medicine is not what we're looking at. We're looking so much at just our goal is no cancer, yeah. right? Um, so I don't know whether that answer. Yeah, no, no, no. It, as an, an as an endpoint, right? Which at, at the end of the day can have, you know, detrimental side effects, right? So there's no quality of life. And I've treated people in integrative teams where cancer-free, but zero quality of life, can't even feel their hands or feet throwing up for six months after right in pain still right yeah. pooping through a bag you know like okay you know this is this is where we weigh it out so look we could talk for 20 hours and still only do one percent of 2500 years yeah. of of this medicine right um but uh i've I'm always been interested in this I'm going to come see you when you're open. Uh, how do people learn more about you, your work, um, your family's work, Pop's work? However, how do we just get to you? So you can get to me by following at KUN Health. It's literally that. And or feel free to add me on LinkedIn. You know, it's very funny. Like I... I'm like one of the youngest longevity economists in the world. And my LinkedIn is like filled with half policy people, my former colleagues, and now people who want to learn more about holistic health. So I think at Quinn House is definitely the best way to follow us, K-U-N at K-U-N House. And then send us a DM. We have limited slots every single month. But, you know, I've always said with my dad, we take a very long approach of examining a client. It takes us at least an hour. That's how it should be. Yeah, I know, right? It takes at least an hour 
for me to get to know you better than perhaps your mother knows you because I know all your poop schedules right? Right. and your texture. <laughs> but then we also do such a frequent follow-up like once a month because you will recover. Your mm -hmm. prognosis matter. The next time, I'm not going to give you the same herbal formula as I do the first time. Right. This is how we meet the individualized need as how medicine is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. um, and meet you so you're supposed to, so you get balanced. Yeah. And then once you're balanced, you're off to go. The, the point of Chinese medicine has never been like, you should be honest forever. That shouldn't be. Yes. Because we believe in self-empowerment by the end of the day. That's what we yeah. call it today, right? Is uh, once you're back on your feet, you're balanced. You're off to go. You and don't need to depend want. on this anymore. And that's what we want. God, yeah. God forbid they create a model which is the opposite of it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for joining the show. I feel so enlightened right now. I have a million questions when we get off air. Um, for all of you viewers and listeners who are aligned with it or want to learn more about traditional Chinese medicine, go check out all of the resources, learn more, check out your tongue tomorrow <laughs> morning, look at it and then uh, see if it aligns with any on that piece of the interview. Thank you so much everyone for listening and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that.